Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. We're going to talk about a problem that actually we're fighting right now on our own farm. It's spider mites. They are just terrible this year, in the especially in the areas that are exceptionally dry. We'll talk about why that is and what you can do about it on our show. We'll also take your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can always email us, radio at agphd.com. So right before the show, I was listening just a little bit to rural radio, and I heard that the markets, the grain markets, were down today. And it was kind of a, oh, no, the grain markets are down. Um, Now, please understand, I'm a farmer, and I'm rooting for farmers every single day of the year. But since I am rooting for farmers... I'm actually hoping that the grain markets go down just in the month of August only. And you might go, Brian, that's terrible for all of us who raise grains. No, it's actually great. And here's why. With all the big companies out there that are setting prices soon on seed and chemical and fertilizer, guess what they're looking at? They're looking at your income and my income as a farmer, or at least our potential income, based a lot on grain markets. So I think we all realize in this day and age that all these big companies charge, or pretty much any company charges based on what the market will bear, not necessarily on what their product costs to produce. So what I'm saying here is if things look a little bit worse by the end of August, when a lot of the companies come out with their pricing, uh, then that actually bodes well for us. For example, this past year, when things were looking bleak, and I'm, I'm really lucky because I get the opportunity to visit with a lot of these big companies, and I try to always share with them what Uh, how difficult it is to farm, how challenging it is to make money on the farm, and all our risks that we have to take as farmers. And basically, in a nutshell, I'm trying to talk them down on price. I'm I'm trying to help them understand, don't get too greedy, don't get too gougy on price, because for us as farmers, it's tough. We got to have at least some room to make money. So that's constantly my theme. It's a lot harder to come with that theme when corn is 5 or $6 a bushel. You see where I'm going with this. Now, after prices get set, which is what happened late last summer, prices were set on chemical, on seed, on fertilizer, then I want the markets to go way up, which is exactly what happened this last year. So that's why last fall we were talking so much about buy, Now, buy, now, buy, now, which we did on our farm for fertilizer, for seed, for chemical, anything. And for the farmers we work with, they bought a lot of stuff last fall, and it was amazing because then commodity prices went up. Guys got a better price for the grains, and they had much lower input costs. All right, the worst possible scenario is if the grain markets are high, and then you lock in all your costs, but you don't sell any of your grain. So that's why we often talk about, look, like even right now, when fertilizer is basically double the price of last fall. If you want to buy fertilizer now, I mean, yes, this might be the low for the course of the next year. I don't know. No one knows. But I do know this. If you're going to pay double what the price was last year for a cost, then I'd really encourage you at least be booking 
some of your grain, I mean, selling some of your grain, at least on the board or whatever else. So we use the Chicago Board of Trade and we hedge ourselves that way. Yes, sometimes we'll sell ahead to to a grain elevator or an ethanol plant or something. But all I'm saying is when you've got high costs, you better try to lock in the other side. Now, last fall, when fertilizer prices were at their 10-year low, chemical prices for some of them were at their 10-year low, and seed prices were at least down just a little bit from the year before, you know what? I got to be honest, I wasn't that worried. And that was one of the things that our dad always talked to us about is like, look, you always have to look at what's your risk? What's your downside risk? What's your upside risk? And when we were buying some of these products, like Roundup was at its all-time low price in the 50 years it had been out last fall. So if you bought in September last year, congratulations, you made all kinds of money. Same thing if you bought seed last fall, same thing if you bought fertilizer last fall, it was really low. What were the odds it was going to go down even further? Slim to none. When you can borrow money for two or three or 4% APR and you say, look, these things could potentially go up 20, 40, 60%. And like in the case of fertilizer, it's up 100% for a lot of different products. Glyphosate is, well, name brand Roundup, if you look at uh, with the rebates, because they they went way overboard with the rebates they had last fall. I mean, it's literally triple the price now. Uh, Granted, it's still not much per acre. But my point is, when you can borrow money for 2 to 4%, and the upside price risk is 300%, you go, hmm, maybe I need to be buying ahead. So we're getting a lot of those questions right now, but here's where I'm going with this whole talk, is if commodity prices keep coming down here, at least over the next few weeks, then we've got a chance, and I'm not holding out lots of hope, but we've at least got a little bit of chance that prices costs, our costs, our input costs, don't go up quite as much for next year as many people were expecting. So hopefully that's the way it pans out. We'll see. And then after our costs are set, then believe me, I hope the grain markets go way back up again because we have lots of grain to sell. So anyway, it's very common in life to say, oh, this is a bad thing because we think about the short term. And believe me, I get it. I do the same thing. Um, Even like the drought this year, you know, I'm like, oh, no, this is terrible, the drought. But it's actually helping us on a few fields that were hard to get into in the past. We had some issues uh, where there had been excess water for the last, quite frankly, uh, almost 30 years now. So... In the long term, it actually probably is going to be a good thing. So for for all of us on the farm, it's we get emotional a lot of times because there's so much out of our control, whether it's the weather, the grain markets, uh, the farm news, politics. It's all out of our control. But we have to look on the bright side of things. We have to stay positive and optimistic. I'm super happy that I'm a farmer here in North America. Hopefully you are too. Personally, I think 2022 is going to be a fantastic year. We're going to talk about how to finish up 2021 on the fantastic side, talking about spider mites right after this. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards. And that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. 
See program terms and conditions for full details. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people. And we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and the latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. Talking about spider mites on today's Ag PhD radio show. Thanks for joining us. We're also taking your calls and questions here in the Morton studio at 844-44-AG-PHD. So if you want to talk about something else, that's totally fine with us. We'd be happy to discuss any agronomic issue with you. Got our friend Brandon Shraggy on right now with FMC to talk a little spider mites. Brandon, thanks for joining us. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for having me on. You know, we've got some spider mites and are actually spraying for the second time. Is that right, Brian? Is this this two now on a lot of these fields? Yeah. Yeah, we sprayed everything the yeah. end of June. They're back again. Yeah. It, this drought has been persistent, and so have been the spider mites. I know you run into some of these somewhere every year. What are some tips you'd give the guys that this is their first real experience with them? Sure. Well, there's a, it's like any other our strategist pest, right? There's a lot of things to them. They're highly prolific. And so the number one thing with teaching anyone about spider mites is obviously get out there and scout. Now, you have to know a little bit about the physiology of them. Now, we all know the best weapon against them is natural enemies. Uh, but something that happens when it gets this hot and dry is we don't get some of those, um, basically, we don't get the fungal pressure that helps take some of those out. So the neozygites don't show up. Um, you know, they have very favorable reproduction cycles, you know, almost every 11 days when it gets hot and dry. And something else that's taken place is because of the uh, resurgence in gall midge in certain areas of the Missouri River Valley, a lot of guys are using recommendations to keep ditch banks mowed. Well, as grass dries down, as we take some of that foliage away, we can push those mites into our crop. So the idea is to kind of understand the physiology, uh, the biology, and then get out there and look for them often. That's the first step. Yeah, you mentioned that. Just some of these things where with farming we change one thing and it does have an impact on other things. I know I've I've heard growers talk about the grasshoppers too, that they mowed some ditches like they normally did and they needed the hay and whatnot. And oh my goodness, it pushed in grasshoppers like crazy out into some of these fields. So yeah, it is it is important to look at the the pros and cons of each decision that we make out there. Now you mentioned that that natural 
fungus out in the field can stop spider mites if the conditions are right. But we're also spraying a lot of times fungicide at the same time we're putting insecticide on. Is that impacting that at all, or is that not as big a player as just the weather in general? Well, I think it's a, it's a mixture of both, and I think they're equal in, in many respects. But the other thing you have to consider, you know, a lot of the beans in the area, at least where I'm at in uh, uh, central to eastern Nebraska here, a lot of those beans are, you know, approaching R4. And so if we think of our timed fungicide applications, like you mentioned, that are going on at R3, what are a lot of guys doing? Well, they're adding in an insecticide because they want to save trips across the field. And a lot of those insecticides are really aggressive pyrethroids. And so not only are we possibly taking out that fungus, um, no, not only is it less prolific when it's hot and dry, but if we're putting in just a standard pyrethroid um, or an OP-type chemistry, um, basically scorched earth uh, mentality, then we're going to remove a lot of those minute pirate bugs, uh, spiders, lady beetles, um, and especially the uh, uh, parasitic mites. And so those are going to be the greatest asset we have. And so I think that's why a lot of times, especially this time of year, we see a huge resurgence in mite populations. And so there's a number of ways we can go about that. We can try to be proactive or reactive. And depending on the environment and our climactic conditions, we may have to be both. But proactive would be using kind of a softer chemistry, uh, analytic diamide, something like a uh, Prevathon or an Elevest up front. If we are going to be mixing with those fungicide applications, that's going to give us really great lepidopteran control of our thistle caterpillars, our loopers, things like that, but it's not going to flare our mites. Now, if the weather just happens to be that kind of a year where we're getting flares anyway, we can come in with either a brigade, a hero, or a dimethoate, um, something that really has some residual contact and some mitocidal activity, uh, but we always want to make sure we're getting really good coverage and using the upper rate range of those products. Yeah, lots of lots of recommendations there, and I think about this too. We see products like a, a Mustang Max going out there, or a Warrior, and we see a mite flare up coming up after that. And it, it, people think, well, I, I want to use the less expensive one. It's oftentimes not that much more expensive to move up to something like a Hero or a Brigade. That's that's not going to create those issues for us. Am I correct in that, Brandon? Yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. And you got to think of it, you know, if we're having to come back and retreat, as you said, because we had a huge uh, spike in mite populations in the plains in early June, some areas caught some rain and pushed that back, some areas did not. And so we've been fighting it throughout the region since. And so if you have to make two and three applications, then all that money you saved up front has went right out the window. And so we got to be we got to be diligent, we got to use all the tools we um, at our disposal that we can. Talking to Brandon Shroggy with FMC. Brandon, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today. Thanks for all the information on the mites, and and uh, look forward to talking to you again down the road. Absolutely. Thank you. Let's go over to Minnesota right now. We've got Brent on with us, and, and Brent Farms over there in, uh, in what would you say, central Minnesota, Brent? Is that how you describe it? Yeah, central Minnesota. We're 30 miles straight south of Minneapolis and St. Paul. All right, so when we're talking about spider mites, normally I would say, well, you're far enough east, you're going to catch enough rain. Are you seeing some spider mites this year? So this year we did have spider mites. We started spraying about two weeks ago and finished up uh, over the weekend. All right, so what did you see out there on the plants, and where, where were they at? Which crops did they like, and, and uh, did you have to spray every acre, or were you kind of spot treating? 
Uh, at first, I was considering some spot treating because they were primarily in uh, borders and stuff. We have waterways and hay areas that have been cut. Sometimes that'll push them out into the soybeans. Um, but uh, the further I got looking at it after a day or two of scouting, I was starting to just find them random spots, and it wasn't necessarily just perimeters. So we started with the ground that actually had some yellowing and graying of a few plants where the spider mites were really thick and then moved from there and scouted throughout the fields and we're finding not a lot of them but if they were thicker in one spot we were just spraying the whole field sure sure i know for for some of our fields that we were spraying we would see them down at the bottom of the plant and getting coverage down there can oftentimes be a challenge what did you see with that did you change nozzles up that you were using versus something else uh versus some of the herbicides you were using or or do you use kind of a standard nozzle you use for everything else um no we actually used uh aixr nozzles that we had on from doing uh, herbicide it seems to do a pretty good job of getting droplets kind of going straight down um, could have used flat fans but i feel we got pretty good coverage down into the plants yeah it's it's tough to know when you get a lot of foliage too you think oh, i might need a bigger droplet droplet to push through or i might need some more volume to push through it's it's not easy when you get into these later season applications no and it, we do have, uh, I generally try to mitigate the height of our beans mainly on variety and population, not so much as far as burning them back. So we don't have, beans were about waist high to a little below waist high when we were spraying them. And so I didn't have to get through a ton of canopy. So it, sure. I, I think we got it. The beans, that the couple of pockets that I did have that we could actually see some damage to the beans they've put new growth on on top so far as i can tell we got for right now we got it taken care of okay so the last question i've got for you what's your early early yield call on these beans and corn are we at an average crop in your part of minnesota or is it off this year or is it going to be a little better than we thought well we farm in a real diverse region of soil types um so our home farm and everything kind of near that is pretty heavy ground, um, pretty much all pattern tiled. Those acres will be average to above average just because we have such a heavy soil that can hang on to water. We sure. have had some rain, not a lot for a while now, but further away from our home, you know, even five to 10 miles, there's definitely lighter soils. They are showing more stress now today than they had earlier, kind of in that June and earlier time frames when we were dry for quite a while. Oh, we got some light so soils too, Brent. It's it's not pretty. It's it's off. I agree with you on that. Well, Brent, thank you so much. Really appreciate you calling, talking about what you're doing on your operation. Good luck to you here. Hopefully you have a great rest of the season. Yep. Thank you, guys. We'll be right back after this. We now bring you an important news bulletin. This just in from Live Action News. Innovation has come to the world of burndown. 
New Elevore herbicide controls your toughest weeds. Even glyphosate and ALS-resistant weeds like mare's tail and henbit. Talk with your retailer about Elevore herbicide today and ask how you can start elevating your burndown. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our in-field research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Fill once, plant all day. The Thrive 3D application system from FMC is a revolutionary in-furrow crop protection platform that plants up to 480 acres between refills. The Thrive 3D application system mounts to most major planter brands and can be yours at no cost with the FMC Freedom Pass program. To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. Every week for more than two decades, AgPhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more, all designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. Maintaining your crops is as important now as it's ever been. Howler, a revolutionary fungicide from AgBiome, can help. It provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. Howler is OMRI listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash Howler to learn more. Talking spider mites on today's Ag PhD radio program. And you know what? Spider mites impact so many different crops out there. And we were just talking about even just the, the native grass that's growing in areas and what an impact they can have. We uh, Obviously, we're talking about corn and soybeans and, and some different crops. But we've got Dominic Riesig on with North Carolina State right now to talk maybe a little about cotton and some of the other crops down in the south. Dominic, thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. It's nice, nice to speak to you both. You know, there are a lot of different crops in North Carolina, and I, I can imagine you might see spider mites out in, in a, a lot of different environments. But uh, talk to us about cotton and some of the other crops that you see and, and what you're looking for out there. Sure. Yeah, in North Carolina, our three major field crops, at least in terms of acreage, are uh, cotton, soybeans, and corn. And we can see spider mites on all the all three of these crops, but really only in treatable levels on uh, on cotton and even there they're they're a relatively minor pest but uh, we do 
annually treat about 5% of our acres for, for spider mites. So it is something that, that we deal with, at least in cotton. Is it mainly the two spotted mites or what kind of mites do you see there? Yeah. Uh, so what you're touching on there is there, there is a number of different uh, mite species and the predominant species on cotton is the two spotted spider mite. Um, you know, in, independent of the species, we would treat them all with miticides. I don't spend a whole lot of my time looking at species. You have to use a microscope and things like that, and, it, and, it, and it's pretty technical. But two-spotted spider mite is the one that, that predominates. That's right. All right. What is this year looking like for you? Are you seeing a lot of insect pests? Are you seeing a lot of mite pests out there? And, and if so, I'm just kind of curious, which, which ones are, are problems this year? Yeah, most of our insect action, at least up to date, has been in, in cotton. Um, I have seen some mite activity. They tend to predominate on some of our sandier, droughtier soils. Um, when the cotton gets stressed, spider mites are one of those pests that do better on stressed plants. Some, some pests, and, um, arthropods, because you know spider mites aren't really insects, but some of the arthropod pests actually prefer you know more lush plants or plants with more nitrogen in them. And spider mites are the exact opposite. They're going to go to they're going to do better on stress plants, and they become even more problematic behind widespread insecticide sprays. Some of these compounds just kill out beneficial insects that might eat the spider mites, but some research has shown that some of these compounds can actually have an effect on the spider mites that causes them to lay more eggs. So it's sort of a, a double whammy when you have stress crops and you're using broad-spectrum insecticides. And unfortunately, we have to use some of those to manage a tarnished plant bug, which is a, a major pest in, in cotton for us. So we, we are seeing some mite activity this year. Yeah, it gets to be tricky when you've got so many different things going on. I know uh, farmers that we talk to that raise a lot of cotton, they say, well, if you think you've got too much, or if you don't have much going on in the summer, plant cotton. You'll stay busy out there scouting and dealing with all the things that pop up out, out in the cotton fields. And you, you kind of hit on a point there that we've been talking about too, even, even in the north, that if you're using the wrong product out there and it has no activity on the mites or, or worse yet, causes them to lay even more eggs, uh, your problem can get really bad in a hurry. And I, I would imagine cotton fields, as, as often as growers are going through those fields, that uh, they really have to be careful. Yeah, we just have to, as you say, be so careful not to not to create a problem by solving one. What do you look for? Now, when it comes to thresholds, this is one of the frustrating things. A lot of growers that, that ask us spider mite questions say, man, I just don't see much out there for thresholds. And a lot of the articles they read say, well, it really depends on weather and so forth as well. If you get a really good crop coming and, and you hit a, a dry patch for a short term, well, maybe it isn't as big a deal. But if you're, you're going to be dry a little longer, it might be more of a concern. What do you see? Do you have a number that you use for a threshold or, or some point of measure for farmers to use? Yeah, so so they're right. It's spider mite management in North Carolina is a little bit more of an art than a science. I did my graduate work on cotton in California, and their mites were more of a bigger issue because, of course, it's all irrigated, not rain-fed. And uh, if the cotton got stressed or conditions were dusty, spider mites could blow up in a hurry. Uh, also behind broad-spectrum insecticides, we actually did have a number for a threshold there. We'd count five leaves from the top and look for presence or absence of the mites. And when you hit a certain percentage, it would it would trigger a spray. In North Carolina, we are blessed with um, warm, humid conditions that are not great for spider mite reproduction. Um, they promote uh, a fungus 
and that fungus can sometimes completely wipe out populations. And so we really try and rely on both the beneficial insects, the predators that eat them, and the parasites that might uh, take care of them, as well as this fungus to hopefully wipe them out. If, if we get kind of dry stress conditions, uh, we start noticing uh, you know, some leaves falling off the plant on the bottom uh, and there's active mite colonies in the field and not rain forecasted, we would, we would trigger a spray. So, I mean, that's not a really tight number threshold, but it's more of a, something to manage stress on the cotton, if you will. Absolutely. That's uh, that's why we like to have experts like you on, Dominic. We really appreciate all the information. Dominic Rizek here with North Carolina State University. Dominic, uh, best wishes to you. Hopefully the rest of the growing season goes great and look forward to talking to you again down the road. I appreciate it. Same here. You bet. Thanks. We've got Dennis with us right now down in southeast Nebraska. Dennis, how are you doing? Just fine. Just fine. Hot and dry, but fine. So I understand you, you're out looking, you. out looking at some corn. Yeah, what's your question? Yeah, yeah, I've been walking fields trying to get some type of yield potential, what we can look for, you know, and trying to guess if it's going to rain or not. But I was in some 110-day corn the other day, and it started to dent, and I uh, broke it open, and uh, the kernel size is, is not, you know, very deep. And I'm wondering if it, it will this, corn since it's starting to dent will it has it has the chance the kernel to get any bigger if it does rain or will they if it don't rain they're going to maintain that size or what what's your feeling on it right. i i just uh, brian's shaking his head no dennis and i'm a little more hopeful and optimistic until you've reached black layer that kernel can still put more into it so it theoretically can, but, okay. it's possible the odds are slim right. i'll agree with brian on that but it is still possible uh-huh. if you could still irrigate, if you caught more rain, if you had more nutrition that could get shoved into that kernel, you could still accumulate some starch. But the odds right. are slim now. Yeah. Well, the kernels are not going to be very big then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're 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 in the same boat, Dennis. Uh, we got non-irrigated ground boy, here. Yeah, we haven't had much rain, and, you know, that's the way it goes. I, I guess the only good news is we at least have a fairly decent price, so hopefully we come out just yeah. as good financially yeah. as we did last year. I Personally, I'd rather harvest yeah. fewer bushels at a higher price anyway. Oh, definitely, and that'll be at our game, but that's the reason I'm trying to figure out how many bushels we'll have if this market ever does decide to move up. Dennis, you know, let, start moving yep. stuff. Dennis, let me tell you a quick story. So for 25 years on our farm, I have estimated yield in advance of harvest, just so I had an idea, mainly for grain bins, and I was the guy that ran the dryers on our farm for over 20 years. Uh, and so I would make estimates too. Honestly, I felt I did just as good estimating in the office as I did out in the field. So I, I would look at, okay, how good's our weather been? What did I do for fertility? You know, just what are my overall feelings and kind of what's the history on that field? And over the years, I've been within 5% on our corn yield. I've been farther away on our soybean yield, but almost every single year, I'm relatively close just figuring it that way. So I, I know... I been, do the same thing. Yep, okay. So yeah, it's, it's hard when you're out in the field because you have to look at so many ears to have a representative sample. So anyway, we just have kind of gone the other direction all the time. I Right now, I, uh, a month and a half ago, I mean, the ear potential was great. I mean, 18 around and populations, everything's good. 
then this dry weather comes in and we're just going downhill every day. Yep. And that I'm down to, uh, I'm down to using a hundred factor and I'm hoping that's right. You know, <laughs> when I calculate yield. Yeah. Yep. I don't even know if that's going to be right. You know? Yeah. Well, we're going to buy a hundred, you know? Yeah. Yep. Well, we're certainly going to hope for the best and pray for the best here, Dennis. And, but, uh, yeah, I mean, once things start to dent, there's not a lot of potential left to get a little bit like Darren okay. says, but, but I mean, yields pretty well set. Right, right. It just, uh, yeah, it's, it, I just don't think they have a handle on how short this crop might be in the country yet. Yeah, uh, but, you know, honestly, that's the way we felt for the last three years, too. <laughs> well, yeah. hey, Dennis, we got to run. Thanks for the call. Really appreciate it. Okay, sorry I couldn't make it up this year, boys. Uh, well, there's always next year, Dennis. We'll be back with the Ag PhD Field Day uh, last Thursday in July every year. Hope you can join us. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com farmall. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at Ag PhD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of Ag PhD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and the latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming Ag PhD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. When it comes to weed control, our cards have always been on the table because we believe you deserve near zero volatility, flexible tank mixing, and a wide application window. That's the Enlist Weed Control System, just better, with no ifs, ands, or buts. Discover better weed control. Enlist.com. Enlist.com. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal app today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. Do you need to replant soybeans due to cold temperatures, heavy rains, or another weather event? Weeds don't seem to care, and you have limited options for last-minute weed control. This is when you turn to Spitfire Herbicide from New Farm. Unlike other Phenoxy herbicides, Spitfire can be applied up to seven days before planting. Fields treated with the dual active power of Spitfire will benefit from weed control that will ease planting and help your beans establish a good stand. Spitfire from New Farm. 
here to help. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Man, the phone lines are busy today, so we're going to try and get to your calls just as quick as we can here. Uh, we're talking about spider mites, and our friend Trevor Dale with Valent wanted to jump in just a little bit. We've been talking about some of the insecticides that have some impact on mites, but obviously there are some fantastic miticides out there, including products like Zeal. Trevor, how are you doing? Uh, good, Darren. Thank you. All right, talk to us just a little uh, bit about the about the miticides and, and what's a little bit different there because there are so many growers we talk to that say, well, I'm trying to just pick the right insecticide that's going to have some impact here, and I hope I don't have to step up to a miticide. But what's the big difference? Yeah, so the real big difference is zeal is strictly a miticide, um, has no impact on other insects, which, you know, if you're facing mites, it's, it's a great thing. Uh, I guess that's one thing I learned here. I mean, mites started picking up in the West uh, probably six weeks ago, two months ago now. And so I started getting calls and I really looked at it. Zeal is almost like two modes of action. You have the zeal and then you also have the beneficial predators. So essentially most of the other insecticides are going to mm, really wipe out uh, beneficial Absolutely. insects. Yep. And if you're fighting mites early on, which um, I really learned this year, um, that's kind of about the last thing you want to do because they're going to come back with a vengeance. Yeah, and we've sure so, seen that. And, we've sure seen that in 2021 in a lot of areas. Yep. And so Zeal works. Uh, it's an insect growth regulator. Um, activity on nymphs and eggs, but the real neat part about it is it's translaminar, so it gets to the lower side of the leaves where the um, mites are feeding, and then it primarily acts, it causes the females to lay sterile eggs. So I've even had some calls recently, hey, there's eggs out there, and I'll say, what color are they? Um, and they're brown, they're dead. So it, you have to work through that life cycle until the adult dies, and then the population will crash off. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's really something where if you haven't seen mites before and you're not an expert in that, it, it's why we love chatting with people in the industry that, that know what they're talking about. Trevor Dale obviously has been working on this for a long time, and Zeal's been out for a number of years with great results. Uh, Trevor, thanks for the call. Thanks for bringing that up. We really appreciate it because it, it definitely needed to be part of the discussion. Thanks, Darren. You bet. Uh, let's head down to South Georgia. we got James with us right now. James, how are you doing? Doing good. How are y'all? Well, we're doing pretty well here. We're getting just enough rain to keep this crop going, so we're, we're happy about that. I understand you have a question, though. Yeah, and we're praying for the rain to go around us. But on this Pivot Bio that I'm seeing advertised, tell me, is it worth anything, or how do you use it, and what does it do for you in corn? Well, you know, any of these biological products, I think it's important to look at whatever data you can find. And uh, this product's been out for a little bit now. They've got some data you can find on their website and you can find through other sources. They've done some university research as well. 
Um, at, at this point, I think it's a walk before you run. Uh, I don't think they've had anything that's been, to what I've seen anyway, that's just blown anything away. I think it's it's been pretty minimal impact, if any. I, I, I don't know. I just wonder. The company continues to raise money. It seems like every time I look in the farm news, it's, well, they're raising more money, they're raising more money, and yet I don't see that, that they're selling a pile of stuff. Well, yeah, but but here's the way that I always look at this kind of stuff, James, is just because somebody does lots of advertising, just because they've raised lots of money or their company has lots of money, that does not mean it's going to work on your farm. Nevertheless, we always tell people, hey, if you're interested in something, Try it and try it out yourself on a small scale in your farm. Unfortunately, what ends up happening is some people buy into the hype. And I'm not saying this product is necessarily good or bad, but I am saying when new products come out, some people buy into the hype when it's something totally new and different. Now, it's different if, let's say, there's a minor tweak, like Roundup, for example, this next year is going to be slightly more concentrated than the old Roundup. Does that scare me to death and now I should only use that on a few acres? No. It's the same stuff. The active ingredients the same. Everything's the same. It's just the concentration slightly different. But when it's something like this, when it's brand new, you've never used anything like it before, we always tell guys, just do it on a small percentage of your, your ground. Because we do know people that have tried new things, used it on the whole farm, and basically it bankrupted them. So that's the last thing we want to have happen is you spend a bunch of money and it breaks you. So just try it out on a small scale. There are lots of other biologicals we've actually had better success with than Proven, but we also have a different farming operation. We fertilize different. We have different soil. We're in a different environment. So maybe this stuff will work fine for you. Okay. Thank you. You bet. Thanks for the call, James. Appreciate it. Yeah, I will I will just say too, we have to be a little bit careful uh and be a little bit politically correct with uh with some of the new products that are out there. Uh so we have certain feelings uh, about how about the technology and uh we kind of uh, look at do. our research we and do. Yeah, sometimes it's preliminary stuff. We so do it's our hard own to say for sure. stuff and that's we do. that's what we do. And we do we advise anybody to do that. Do some trials on your own farm, split the planner, whatever it may be uh, to see how stuff works for you. All right, uh, let's head over to Wisconsin. We got Mark with us. And Mark, I missed you after the Ag PhD field day. I heard you were were trying to get one more question answered, and I got sidetracked with a couple other folks who had the same idea, and uh, and somehow we never crossed path again. So I'm glad you called in. How are you doing? Very good. Yourself? Well, not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, fungicides and corn, I think, was the topic you wanted to discuss. What What are you thinking? Well, um. I guess what I did was, so we were going to spray a fungicide, and then we got about half of it done, and the corn just got too tall. I think it started raining, and and then we couldn't get a hold of a pilot, or we, the pilot was booked out. Sure. So then yep. finally, the pilot called and said, hey, do you want to do it? And I thought we were going to just kind of let it go. And then I was taking tissue samples on Sunday, and I saw about 3 to 5% fungus. Ah, yep, yep. So, what, what growth stage are you at? How far are those kernels along? I'm assuming you're brown silk, and uh, what do the ears look like? Um, They're still white, so they're not. Okay. They're uh, 
there's a few light silks out there yet. I'd say mostly brown silks. Okay. Well, you're just right at the optimum time. You definitely can still do it. At this point, I would recommend if you already have a little bit of fungus out there using uh, at least a two or three mode of action product that has a triazole in the equation. I, I think okay. it'd be just fine. Yeah, I'd, I'd go for it at least on some acres if you think you got decent yield potential out there to protect. I got to confess, um, I should have called you earlier yesterday, but I didn't get a hold of you. The <laughs> pilot was here this morning, and uh, we actually already sprayed the last of our corn with uh, Veltima. Oh, okay. So I think okay. that's two or three modes of at. I mean, I'm not plugging them. But yeah, I yeah, I got you. Okay, so you already made your choice. I already made your application. Well, I think it's going to work for you. I think you're going to be happy. I think you're going to see uh, uh, something this okay. year. If you left a check strip or two, which we always advise, that would be really cool to watch, whether it be with satellite imagery or a drone or just uh, going out okay. and looking at the field from a good vantage point. I, I think it'll be really interesting. I think you'll be happy you made the decision. So R2 is not too late to apply. Uh, oh, no. I- nope. Nope, there's a lot of growers that do that, especially even, you know, in different parts of Wisconsin, maybe a little bit further south from you where they're worried about tar spot each year. You you haven't had tar spot up that far yet, have you? You know, I don't think so, but Oh, well, you you would know, I mean, Mark. You you would know if it was a real problem. So, no, that's <laughs> that's good. No, I think you're going to like it. I think you'll be happy you did it. Okay. And then I have one other quick well, I don't know if it's quick or not. Okay, well then question. let's let's hold that for just a second. We're up against a break here, Mark, and we'll we'll bring you on right after that. I know you've already been on for a little bit here uh, waiting for us. So you have to be a little bit patient with us again. We'll be right back after this short break. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. In an uncertain market, you need to maximize the quality and profitability of your stored grains by controlling profit-robbing insects. A tank mix of Daikon IGR and Sentinel EC insecticide, or Daikon IGR Plus, offers the long-term control of an insect growth regulator and the knockdown power of a broad-spectrum insecticide. Keep your grain clean with grain protectants from Central Life Sciences. To learn more, contact your local dealer or visit bugfreegrains.com. Every week for more than two decades, AgPHD-TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more. All designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD-TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. In celebration of the Ag PhD Field Day, Farm Shop MFG is giving 10% off end zone fan controls and grain temp guard products. Sale ends midnight August 4th. To get your discount, visit FarmShopMFG.com and use the coupon code AGPHD2021. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. 
proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can email us your question, radio at agphd.com. we got Mark with us right now in Wisconsin with another question. Mark, what you got? Um, so I've told you about our pasture already, I believe. We have, we've been spraying it, but. And this year, finally, it got dry enough that I was able to get out there and spray the nuts hedge and other sages. I don't know that I'm going to have great control because, you know, the label says up to 12 inches and I wasn't able to spray it until this stuff was about 24 inches tall. Okay. But And what did you use? Just um, it's, uh, it would be, a, I think you pronounce, I think it's hallucifin or Hall- it would be, uh, okay. yep. same as yep. Halo Sandia. Yep. 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 Yeah. So the sedge, great. I like that choice. Okay. But except it just got a little bit uh, big on you this year. Right. Now the next dilemma I have is. I think it says to seed clover back, you're supposed to wait about eight months. And A, I don't want it to grow into sages again. And B, I don't know quite how to go about seeding this clover down because it's a pasture, so it's a little bit. Yep. Yep, it's it's, re- it's really difficult. It's really difficult. I know it. That that interceding is uh, is a real challenge. I, I don't know what to tell you on that one either. I don't have great advice for you. It, you're right. It's a pasture and it's rough, and you probably don't want to just till it all up or something like that either. So, so you're kind of you kind of stuck with what you're stuck with. It, I'm not okay. sure. I'm not sure what great advice for you would be. Do you have a, a great idea on that either, Brian? We we just try and drill it in, and hopefully you can get it down in the ground. I guess we'll see, too, how hard that ground is. So are you getting enough rain that you think the ground's fairly soft? Um, We're getting a little more. I think a guy would – I mean, I have no doubt I would get stuck, but I think I might be able to plant it yet. I don't know how long – 
how long that uh, chemical lasts. Uh, hallucin. It's like it's yep, labeled yep. for clover, but then, and I mean, I suppose you can't tell me to do something not on the label. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, and you know, the other thing you can do too, if you've got seed, you can always uh, do a little experimenting too. And hey, let's try a strip and we'll see if that works. And you can change some settings up and see if something works better if if you need to, or, okay. or you kind of get a window. If you're not getting rain, then that makes those uh, uh, rotational restrictions really tough. But if you are getting rain, that sure helps move the process along. And if you had heavy heavy weed pressure out there and some of those patches where you sprayed and most of them sucked up a lot of that herbicide, that might help you out too. Okay. Have, does frost seeding work, or is, that, or is there going to be too much like in the spring. So then we'd be past our eight month time frame. Yeah, that's a that's a good I mean, question. Is there gonna be is there gonna be too much residue that the seed wouldn't hit the ground or could you frost seed it and pray to God you don't get stuck? <laughs> I don't know. You know, the other thing you could do is have it mowed down relatively short. Whatever is left out there okay. this fall when you take cattle off it or or whatever you've got in the pasture, then you can mow it down and so it's only whatever, four or six inches tall, something like that, just enough that you're not worried about winter kill or some of those problems. That'll allow you to get a little better ground contact out there too. Okay. Well, you know, I I know I asked some tough questions. Like I said, <laughs> no, well, it was easy, Mark. You just know what to do, right? So I know it's it's tough right. on some of those things. We we have not done that, so I guess all I can say is uh, uh, you just yeah try what makes most common sense to you and and good luck. Alrighty. All right. Well, Thank thanks a lot, Mark. Really Thank appreciate you, all the support. Thanks for coming to the field day this year too. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. Awesome. We'll see you again sometime. All right. Well, that sounds good. Thanks, Mark. We really appreciate it. Uh, got a comment about field day from Jim, too. He said, hey, this is your friend Jim from Indiana, and I just wanted to let you know I had a fantastic field day. Really glad I came. I picked up a lot of information. And he said, you take care. I'd love to send you some rain. We seem to be getting some about every other day here in Indiana. Hey, thanks, Jim. We really appreciate having you there. I didn't didn't get to talk to you this year, so hopefully I'll catch you next time. Uh, get this one in from Trent in East Central Iowa. And Trent said, all right, guys, a couple questions for you. I heard Brian talking about that you guys were switching over to do malic soil testing. And I, I'm at the end of my four-year soil test cycle, so I need to start testing again here this fall. I'm wondering, can you explain again why you're considering switching to malic? And are you still going with Midwest Labs, still pulling samples the same way? I'm assuming that maybe hasn't changed. And then I know my dealer, who also pulls samples for me, might object to this. I need to be able to, to counter any of those objections. And then just also wondering, if you do Malik, is it does it work like everything else where you can still turn in yield goals and get fertilizer recs? Uh Yes. So everything works the same. A lot of people in the United States use Malik, especially as you go south. The reason why we have been told by labs they don't want to run Malik in the northern part of the United States is we have calcareous soils and they worry about the, the phosphorus. We haven't really found that to be a big problem, um, so I'm not that worried about the phosphorus. What I am concerned about with the DTPA micronutrient tests is manganese. We can't find any correlation between manganese and yield, and I know there's a correlation between manganese and yield, so that tells me that something's wrong with the test. So 
anyway, I'm not saying there's any problem with, let's say, Midwest Labs. Yes, we are going to continue using them. They can run a Malik just like they can run the other tests. And here's the other big kicker. The Malik test is about half the price of the test we've been running at Midwest Labs. We're still going for a complete analysis. We still want NPK. We want base saturation. We need the, the soil pH. you got to make sure you're getting sodium tests and, and soluble salts and those kind of things. And micronutrients, of course. But so nothing, none of that's really changing, but we do want to be running a bunch more Malik 3 tests. We're going to do a lot more comparing of that moving forward, and it's mainly because of manganese. We just have a big issue with the manganese tests when we start talking DTPA because we quite frankly don't feel they're accurate. All right. Thanks for the question. Uh, I get one more here from Josh in Oregon, and Josh sent a soil sample and also a sample of his hay. And he said, I got a couple of samples for you guys to look at. I've got a piece of property at least that's next to my place, dry land grass. We only get one cutting per year off it. But kind of fitting, you guys just talked about boron. And I look at my sample, I see my boron's at 0.2 parts per million, very low. Uh, what other things do you see on here that we could be working on? And uh, just wanted to know we're, we're planning on attending the field day next year and bringing some people along. Okay. Well, yes, the boron is low, but as I look at the test just real quickly, it looks to me like we got a lot of things that are low. So where we're always going to start is soil pH. And in terms of soil pH here, it's 5.7. So to me, raising, well, uh, tell me again, what, what did you say? What crop? Dry land grass. Yeah. So even with grass, you're, you're going to want to see that a little bit higher. Not that it has to be you know, seven or anything like that, but at least a little bit higher is probably going to help you. So if it's me, I'm going to get at least a little bit of lime out there. And then the other thing that's going to help you with another one of the problems, your calcium levels are really low. You're only 52% calcium. We'd really like to see that number above 65. Um, and it will be if you just put a little bit of calcium carbonate out there. Okay. Um, then we're, we're often talking about base saturation K, you're only 3.3% and only 149 parts per million on potassium. Look, if it's grass, that takes a ridiculous amount of potassium. So we'd really like to see you building that number up at least 4% base saturation K and preferably, preferably 6 to 8% because you only have 11.5% uh, cation exchange capacity. So in other words, we'd call that a medium textured, light to medium textured soil. So Anyway, you've got to get more percentage out there for K just because you don't have a lot of holding capacity in that soil. Also, your phosphorus is really low. You are at, uh, depending on which test you want to look at, 17 or 13 parts per million. Uh, so certainly in that what we would call light to medium textured soil, you're going to be low on nitrogen, sulfur, and boron almost all the time. So on a regular basis, you have to be applying those as well. All right. Thanks for the question. We really appreciate that. And thanks to you for listening. And be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.